The following is a recording from ACF Church in Eagle River, Alaska. If you would like to join us, our services are Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. We would love for you to be our guests. We hope you consider partnering in the work God is doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you would like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can safely give by texting the donation amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. Good morning. We're awake. Come on, this is the 11 o'clock service. Good morning. There we go. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here at ACF. Uh, if you're visiting us today, you're a guest. We're excited that you're here with us. Um, if you haven't been here for a while or you, you've been coming every week, we're in the middle of a series um, right now, and we're, we're, we're talking about understanding some basic biblical theological principles that we stand on here at ACF, and we're calling that uh, series Unstumped. Um, pastor Brian, who's senior pastor here, he's not here today. He's in Hawaii. Yeah, so what we're going to do is we're going to take the jealousy, take the bitterness, we're going to leave it at the foot of the cross, we're going to move on, and we're having a great day. All right. Um, no, but I'm really excited for this. And like I said, we're in this series called Unstumped. And I don't know about you, I don't know if you've ever been stumped before. Um, I've been stumped maybe once in my life, um, but I'm just joking. Uh, but I don't know if you've ever been in that place where somebody asks you something about your faith. Somebody's like, man, why do you believe in Jesus? Or what, how do you believe this? And, and you just kind of feel like a deer in the headlights. Like, uh, I know there's a good reason. It's just not coming to me right now. Um, and so we're doing this series called Unstumped, and it's this idea that we're taking some four um, principles of theology and understanding the Bible. And these are four things, four foundational things that we stand on and we believe here at ACF. And not just ACF, but even as a broader uh, scope, our, our denomination, the Christian Missionary Alliance, that these are four principles that we stand on, and we've been talking about them over the last several weeks. Um, we, we, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Jesus is our rescuer. And how he came to earth to rescue us and how we need a rescuer. And then last week we talked about Jesus is our refiner. And how there's this understanding, this idea of becoming more like Jesus after we've said yes to him. And this is a refining process. And who does the work? Do we do the work? Does Jesus do the work? And so there's that. And then so today we're talking about Jesus our restorer. And how Jesus has come to restore us and to heal us. And so we're going to be jumping in that today. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Isaiah chapter 53. Um, we're going to start there. Um, if you don't have a Bible, um, it's okay. Most of uh, the scriptures are going to be on the screen behind me. Um, I promise I didn't make them up. Um, and uh, we also have Bibles in the back. If you don't own a Bible, feel free to grab them. Take one home with you. That's our gift to you. And we also have an app, ACF Church app. You can download that. And there's a Bible on there. All the notes are on there. And what's really cool, too, is our podcasts are on there. And so if you've missed the last couple of weeks and you want to hear us talking about Jesus as our rescuer and Jesus as a refiner, you can go back and actually listen to Pastor Brian talking about those. So great uh, tool to have. And so I don't know what your story is, your background story. Maybe you grew up in church. Uh, maybe you're relatively new to being a Christian or maybe became a Christian later on in life so you, didn't end up, you didn't, weren't raised necessarily in the church. Or maybe you're in this room and you're like, uh, I don't really know what I'm doing here. I'm not a Christian. I had a friend kind of trick me into coming here this morning. Um, that's okay. Like, if that's you, I'm really glad you're here this morning. Because um, you now have an opportunity to kind of hear 
what Christians believe and what we truly think and understand and how we view God. It was interesting. I just had a conversation in between services with somebody who was saying how they're dealing with somebody who's so angry that they're a Christian, but the person's anger comes from a complete misunderstanding of what Christianity is and, and their view of Christianity is what they read on memes on Facebook and what they hear from um, you know, political debates. And that's like their scope of Christianity. And so they're angry that this person is that, their view of that. And so I'm glad you're here if, if you would say I'm not a Christian, just to kind of hear and understand what we're about and, and what, what we believe. But this morning, um, my background is I, I was fortunate enough to be raised in the church as, as a young child, gr- grew up going to Sunday school and watching um, the teacher talk about Jesus on the flannel board, right? Those flan- flannel saved a lot of people. Like, who knew it was such a tool of amazing holiness that we saw Jesus saving so many people on those flannel boards as a, as a, as a child growing up? But inevitably, at the end of Sunday school, the teacher would ask this question, does anybody have any prayer requests? And if you've ever been around kids and asked them for a prayer request, maybe you've been downstairs uh, and helped and illuminate kids. Maybe you were a Sunday school teacher, or maybe, like me, you were that kid in Sunday school, and the teacher says, are there any prayer requests? This is the reaction you always get. Um, um, yes, I have an owie right here. We need to pray for it, and we need to pray now. Right? I, I know there's somewhere on, I scratch. Oh, yeah, see, my cat scratched me, teacher. We need to pray that this scratch goes away. Like, there's this, this beautifulness of this understanding of, hey, what's the prayer request? And we need to talk to Jesus. We need to have a prayer request. Uh, I have three kids, uh, uh, six, five, and, uh, and one. And we pray every night before we go to bed. And my daughter, uh, inevitably, always, every night, do you have any prayer requests to read? Um, um, okay, you don't. No, 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 I do, I do, I do. Uh, don't pray without me, Dad. Uh, Sarah had a tummy ache at school today. Okay, we're going to pray for Sarah's tummy ache. Like, it's this idea like, we're going to talk to Jesus, and I need to have something to talk to him about. And, and we're going to pray, and he's going he's gonna to hear us, and he's going to heal us. Um, fast forward in my life, just not too far I'm about nine years old, and I, I just had this memory. It's interesting. I was working on this message talking about healing. I remember when I was about nine years old, it was like a Friday morning. I woke up, and I was just dreadfully sick, throwing up, had the flu. And that night, I was supposed to have a friend come spend the night. So I was like super upset. My friend couldn't come spend the night. I'm, I'm super sick. And my dad comes in my room before work, and he, he kneels down by my bed, and he puts his hand on me, and he prays for me. You know, God, I just pray that you would take this flu away from Josh. That's about it. Stands up, goes to work, comes back later that night after work, and I'm running all over the house, bouncing around. I feel all better. And dad comes in. I'm like, dad, dad, good news, good news. My friend can come and spend the night tonight now. My dad's like, no, Josh, he's not coming to spend the night. Like, you're sick. I'm like, I'm sick. Did you forget? You prayed for me, dad. Like, flu is gone. And, and I remember, I, I so remember this. I remember my dad looking at my mom like, I got nothing. Like, I don't know what to say. What, what, um, okay, you're healed. But you still don't have a friend coming to spend the night tonight. Like, you still need to rest. And, and like, I just remember like this young childlike understanding. Like, dad prayed, I'm healed. Like, it's prayer request time. Do I have anything that's going to get healed? Right, because Jesus is going to heal me. And then I fast forward in my life a few more years. I'm 15 years old. 
going into my uh, sophomore year of high school, and, and I had this really good friend of mine. Her name was Shelly. And uh, in about August time or so, going into uh, high school, um, Shelly's going into her freshman year of high school, we discover that she has a brain tumor. And so Shelly starts going through all the treatment for it, getting radiation, having surgery. And as we go into this time, I remember taking this kind of burden on myself, like, I'm going to pray for Shelly and she's going to get healed. I'm going to pray for Shelly and she's going to get healed. And, and, And I'm going to be faithful to pray for her every night until she's healed. And for seven months, that's what I did. For seven months, I didn't miss a single day of praying for Shelly. And I know I didn't miss a single day of praying for Shelly because I took this super unhealthy understanding and burden as as much as a 15-year-old can. I thought, like, if I don't pray, then she might die. And it's my prayers that are keeping her alive. And so I had this burden on me of praying for Shelly, totally believing that God was going to, is hearing me, was hearing me, and was going to answer that prayer of healing. Um, and then I remember one morning waking up, it was in March, uh, early March, and it was my youth pastor on the phone. He's like, Josh, I, I, I hate to tell you this, I, I'm sorry I have to make this call, but Shelly died last night. And that phone call was a launch pad for me into really struggling seeking, trying to understand who Jesus was and was this healing thing real. I, it wasn't so much that I like, felt like I walked away, like I don't believe in God anymore, but I did walk into this understanding, this idea that I don't know if Jesus is really healing people anymore. And if he is, he doesn't really care about my needs. I, I, I took on this attitude of, and I walked with this for many years of God, I know you can heal, but I doubt that you will. And as I talk to people and I talk to Christians, I counsel people in my office, this is a a similar story that I've heard from so many people. And A lot of people have this attitude with God, like, God, I know you can, you're God, you can do whatever you want, but I I doubt you will. For whatever reason, I doubt you hear me, I doubt you care about me, I doubt this is important to you. And so these were different questions that I dealt with. Um, And and so as we're talking about uh, Jesus being a restorer and healing us, I'm going to ask these questions, these about four questions I had. I'm going to ask them to you guys, and then we're going to talk about them. But before I dive into that, uh, we're going to hit this Isaiah 53 passage. And this is something that I found early on to understand that, yes, Jesus is a healer. In fact, it was prophesied. It was one of the major prophecies about him thousands of years before he ever came to earth. It was spoken that he was going to come and that he was going to be a healer. And so we read in Isaiah 53, it says, Surely he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him as stricken, smitten by God, afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. And so I read that verse going, okay, Jesus came to be a healer. Like he came, it was prophesied thousands of years before he ever came, One of the big prophecies we have about him is that he was going to come and he was going to heal. But several years ago, a few years ago, a really good mentor, pastor, friend of mine helped expand this verse even for me even more. He's like, Josh, he wasn't just a healer. Jesus didn't just come to heal our physical needs, and and that's it. So if you break this little, this this passage down, this prophecy down, it's quite amazing actually. I wanted to share that with you this morning. It, It starts out by saying he bore our griefs. That word griefs there is the word hilo in the Hebrew. And what that means is that it, the word hilo means literally sickness and disease. 
that Jesus came to bear our sicknesses and our diseases, that he came to take them away. We see right away that there's this physical aspect of healing that Jesus came to bring. But the thing is, it doesn't stop right there. Next, it says he carried our sorrows. Again, in the Hebrew, that, that word sorrows is mechov, and it literally means mental pain. That he carries our mental pain, or in other words, our emotions. That Jesus came, we read that he came to heal us physically, but he also came to heal us emotionally and mentally. And these things that we struggle through, a lot of times the healing that needs to happen in people's lives is not a physical healing, but it's an emotional healing through pain that we've experienced in life. He goes on to say he pierced our transgressions, and, or he was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. Again, transgressions and iniquities, those are like spiritual sickness and disease. Spiritual things that Jesus came to heal. Like he didn't only come to heal us physically. He only didn't come to heal us emotionally, but he also came to heal us spiritually. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. See, this, this word peace, the Hebrew word is shalom. Probably most of all of us have heard that word before. But what does that word really mean? It doesn't just mean peace like, oh, I just feel peaceful right now. I'm, I'm having a nice soak in the tub or I'm having a nice walk on the beach. Probably what Brian's doing right now, right? Like this just peaceful experience, you know. That's not what that word means. What that word means is completeness and wholeness. Like a wholeness of peace. A, a completeness of peace. That Jesus just didn't come to make you feel better, but you're still messed up inside. To, to, to heal the outside and not worry about the inside. That he came to bring completeness and wholeness within healing. And by his wounds we are healed. The reason, the authority he has for that is that he purchased the right, rights for that by his sacrifice for us. And so we see in Isaiah that thousands of years before Jesus ever comes, that he is coming and he's coming to be a healer. And so, as I started to question in, in my life, like this, okay, Shelly died, I prayed for her faithfully, I had faith that God would heal her, and yet she still died, what, what's going on here? And some of the questions I had, we're going to ask this morning, the first one I had was this, was, does Jesus still heal? Like today, like I know he healed in the Bible, but does he still heal? There's some Christians out there, and I had friends that were like this, that believe that with the death of the last apostle, that the Holy Spirit stopped doing healings in the world. Um, it's, it's called sensationism. And it's this idea that, that uh, with the last apostle, that kind of these charismatic um, outward things of the Holy Spirit, like movements of the Holy Spirit, such as healing and such as speaking in tongues, they died. and the, they Not died, but the Holy Spirit stopped doing them with the death of the last apostle. And the reason he stopped was because they were no longer needed. Because the apostles were here to start the church, and, and, and through by the time the last apostle had died, the church had kind of been kicked off, and, and the movement was happening, and no longer did they need these kind of big movements of the Holy Spirit to put power behind the words that they were speaking, because now the church was in motion. And some cessationalists believe that, um, that after the apostles, healings continue to happen, but then at the canonization of the Bible, or in other words, um, when the Holy Spirit moved on a group of men to help 
take the writings of the disciples and the apostles and take the gospels and take these letters that these guys had written called the epistles and kind of put them together and given, gave us the Bible that we have today, that at that moment, the Holy Spirit no longer did, needed to do healings and things like that on earth because now we could run everything through Scripture and we didn't need like proof of what you were saying to be true through a movement of the Holy Spirit because we could back it with Scripture. And so some people believe that. And so I was wondering, well, maybe, just maybe, Jesus doesn't heal anymore, and that was just in the Bible. And then I started reading things and looking into it, and I read things like Matthew 8. We see Jesus, he's hanging out, and it says, that evening they brought him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast the spirits out with the word, and he healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Again, so we see like Isaiah a long time ago talks about who Jesus would be, and he is. And then we read in Hebrews 13, 8, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if Jesus Christ was a healer back then, even before he walked on earth, Isaiah was prophesying that he was going to be a healer. He comes and he is a healer. He is still a healer today. And that's what we, we, we stand on in ACF, is we, we believe that, yeah, Jesus does still heal. Because he, if, if he was a healer then, he's a healer now. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is still healing our physical, our spiritual, and our emotional needs, even to this day. So I was like, okay, Jesus still heals, but why did he not heal Shelly? Maybe it was me. Maybe I was doing something wrong. Maybe I don't understand kind of where healing comes from. So, so my next question was, where does healing come from? Like, was I doing something wrong? Like, was I not praying correctly? Like, where, where, where does it come from? And so to talk about where healing comes from, I first want to talk about where healing does not come from. You see, there's a lot of things that kind of have made their way into the church of, of what we believe about healing. And, and, and some of these things can be quite damaging even. And the first one I want to say is this. Healing does not come from faith. As some of you guys are going, whoa, Josh, I know my Bible. I know it says that, you know, it says by your faith you've been made whole. I know it says that, that by the prayer of faith has healed you. Yes, that is absolutely true. We are completely called upon to enact, to walk out, to walk in our faith. But the faith itself is not what heals us. And this can be really damaging for people. Um, I don't know, I have lots of friends who have struggled with long-term diseases. And one thing that they say a lot is, Christians come up to me all the time and go, you're still not healed? Well, you know why, right? Because you clearly don't have enough faith, right? As, as if the faith is what is doing the healing. Um, even in, in, in the Bible, there's this awesome story of this dad who brings a son to Jesus, and he's like, Jesus, heal my son. And Jesus is like, well, do you believe I can? And he's like, yes, no. And he says, help my unbelief, Jesus. Like, you need to give me the faith that I need to enact to believe that you can heal my son. In other words, our faith isn't really worth a lot because it, on our own, it's got to come from Jesus. Now, I don't know. There's this kind of crazy thing that's taking the internet by storm. Um, I think it's insane. I don't understand it. But has anybody ever heard of something called Bitcoin? Anybody out there? A few of you guys nodding your head, Yeah. This is crazy. Bitcoin is like this digital online currency, real currency, backed by nothing. Like, there's no dollar. It's, it's great, right? Like, you just have all the Bitcoin you want, but it's like backed by nothing. There's no monetary value really to it, but online it has real value. And you can take 
actual Bitcoin. You can get Bitcoin for all sorts of ways online through playing. People pay you Bitcoin to play video games like for them. Guys, we're too lazy to play our own video games now, I guess. And so, but like, there's all these kind of different ways that you can get Bitcoin. And then you can go and buy real items for it on like online stores that accept Bitcoin. And shockingly, more and more online stores are accepting Bitcoin. Sometimes I think our, we treat our faith a little bit like Bitcoin. Like, I just got to gather all of this faith up. I got to gather all this Bitcoin, and then I can take this Bitcoin, and I can give it to you, and you can give me what I want. And sometimes I think we go, man, I just got to gather all this faith. I got to collect a lot of faith. I got to go to church more often to kind of get more faith. I got to read my Bible more to get more faith. I got to do these things, and I got to collect all this faith, and then I can take my faith, and I can trade it in for a miracle. And I can trade it in for a healing. Like, God, you see how much faith? Oh, no, not enough faith. Okay, I'll get some more. And I got to gather this faith up and I'm going to trade it for a healing that I need. And we treat faith that way. But that is not what faith, the, the, the faith that Jesus is talking about when he says, by your, you know, by your faith, you've been made whole. See, who's your faith in? What is your faith in? Oftentimes our faith can be in faith. Like I have enough faith in my, I have faith in my faith that I have faith, right? That God's going to do a miracle now. But faith itself is not what does the healing. It's what your faith is in, who your faith is in that does the healing. Second thing, healing does not come from within. It is not about centering yourself, and this is becoming more and more popular in the church. It's a, it's a, um, it's a, it's a big belief in the world that you just got to center yourself. You got to balance yourself. I've talked to people who have told me, they're like, you know, I just got to see my disease in my mind and wrap my mind around it and then just remove it from my mind and it'll be removed from my body. And that's not where healing comes from. Healing does not come, it's not about us. It's not our strength. We did not pay for the right for us to be healed. It is by his stripes. And so we need to understand it is not about centering. It doesn't centering ourselves. It's not about coming from within. And finally, faith, or I'm sorry, healing does not come from holy objects. You might be going, Josh, I don't believe in holy objects. I don't believe like crystals are going to heal me. Well, maybe not. But I've talked to enough Christians who have had sicknesses and diseases, and they are, they say things like, I got to make sure, you know, I have my picture of Jesus on the wall, you know, just in case there's something that comes from that, right? I got to have my crucifix hung up. You know, I just got to have all my bases covered. I got to have my statue of Mary with the candles around it, just, you know, in case some healing can come from that right? Even here, while I've been working here, I've had people call the church. Do you guys have holy water? Oh, we just ran out. I am so sorry. I have some tap water I can give you, right? And like, there is no holy water. The only thing, the thing I can come closest to that might be holy water is that pipe that comes out of the side of the mountain on your way down to Seward. There's water flow. That might be holy water. Um, but other than that, it's just water, Right? Even on Wednesday, I had a conversation. It was just it was amazing how God works. I had a conversation with somebody before service. They hadn't even heard my message yet. And, and they're like, I had a question. What makes oil holy? Like, why is the oil that you guys get holy? I was like, because it came in the mail? I don't know. Like, nothing makes it holy. But we're called to use oil in Scripture. It says, anoint them with oil. But that's not because there's something in the oil. The oil is to remind us about who is the one actually doing the healing here. See, in Scripture, oil always represents the Holy Spirit. And so it's to remind us, it's not us, it's the Holy Spirit who's going to work through us. So these are things, this is where healing does not come from. 
Healing comes from Jesus alone. Healing comes from Jesus alone. Acts 3, Peter said, I have no silver, I have no gold. But what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. There's this guy, he'd been begging for years, he couldn't walk. He asked Peter and John for some money. And they're like, ah, I don't have any money. I got something better though. I have Jesus Christ. Again, it was by his wounds we are healed. Healing comes from Jesus and Jesus alone, not from our faith. Now we're, again, we're called to enact our faith. It takes faith to go to Jesus Faith itself is not the healing. Healing does not come from within. It is not from holy objects. It's from Jesus alone. So as I'm on this journey, I'm like, okay, healing comes from Jesus. He's still healing today. But as I look at these situations, I look at Shelly didn't get healed. This person did. Why, what is the purpose for healing? Why does Jesus heal some and not heal us? Like, what is the purpose of healing? When you look at scripture, when you read the New Testament specifically about healings of Jesus, you're going to see about nine to ten specific reasons that scripture tells us why Jesus healed. About nine reasons that says Jesus healed because of this or because of that. We're going to talk about five of them this morning. We're going to go through some of them pretty quick here. But there's reasons Jesus healed. First of all, why did Jesus heal? To authenticate his message. (laughs) To authenticate his message, Jesus had this friend. He was really sick. Jesus was in another town. His friend's sisters send word to Jesus. They're like, hey, our brother's really sick, like really, really sick. We think he's going to die. Can you please get here to heal him? And Jesus goes, nope. I'm going to hang out for a little bit. His friend dies. His friend's name was Lazarus. After he dies, Jesus makes his way to go see his sister's. And sisters come running up, and they're really upset. And they're like, Jesus, had you been here, you could have healed him. They had faith that Jesus could heal. And Jesus is like, okay, you want to see something cool? Remove the stone, right? Dig up the coffin, pop it open. We're going to do something cool here. This is where we pick up in John 11. Listen to why Jesus healed Lazarus. So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know you always hear me. But I say this on the account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And then he says, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus is raised from the dead. One reason Jesus healed Lazarus, it wasn't for Lazarus' sister's sake. It wasn't like, man, they are really sad he's dead, so I'm going to bring him back to life for their sake. Now, that was a byproduct, but that's not why he did it. In fact, they were probably going to have to walk through this whole thing again, like, Lazarus still died again, right? It wasn't for Lazarus' sake, right? Lazarus is in paradise, and all of a sudden, he's like, whoa, hey, what's going on? What? Oh, man, back on earth. Like, I'm sure he gave his sisters, like, the look, like, really? You have no idea. It wasn't for Lazarus' sake that he raised him from the dead. One reason, that they may know that you sent me to authenticate his message of the kingdom of heaven and that he was God here on earth. That was it. Number two, to prove he could forgive sin. I love this story of Jesus. I love this story. So there's this guy and he can't walk. And Jesus looks at him and he's like, hey dude, your sins are forgiven. 
Doesn't say anything about healing him. Doesn't say, I'm going to make you well. He just says, hey, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees who hated Jesus because he was kind of wrecking their message, wrecking their lifestyle, wrecking their authority and their power. The Pharisees are standing around and they get angry. Like they lose their minds. And they are just like, who is this guy? How dare he say that he can forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. We pick up the story right here in Mark chapter 2, verse 8. And immediately, Jesus perceiving in his spirit that they question within themselves, Jesus said to them, Why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home, drops the mic. Right, like Jesus is like, oh yeah, I can't forgive sins. Um, hey, buddy, stand up and go home. Yeah, Pfft, what? <laughs> Just in case you were wondering, uh, the Bible does not actually have hashtag drops the mic in it. I added that. Just, I didn't want any confusion. Uh, but I can't read this scripture without thinking that at the end of it. Like Jesus, I just I can imagine the look like, mm-hmm, I can't forgive sins, what? You know, but that's why the man was healed. He, he forgave his sins and didn't heal him at first. And then everyone gets all angry, like, you can't forgive sins. He's like, oh, all right, I just don't get it. Stand up, yeah, right, I can't forgive sins, uh-huh. Like he did it to prove that he could forgive sins. Again, showing us that. But that's not the, re- the reason he healed the man to walk was not, so the sake of a man could walk. Again, a byproduct of Jesus' goodness. But it was to prove he could forgive sins. Uh, next one is to prove he was God. Again, dealing with the Pharisees, I have a lot of scripture up there. I'm just gonna kind of jump to the end. Again, the, Jesus says, I and the Father are one, and the Pharisees are getting really angry at him again for saying he's God. And Jesus, ba- is, he, he says to them, <clears throat> but that you may know the Son of Man, oh, sorry, wrong verse, Jump down next section here. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. What Jesus is saying is like, hey, if you don't believe what I'm saying, believe what I'm doing. You can't dispute the fact I'm raising people from the dead. You can't dispute the fact that I'm making blind to see and lame to walk. I'm doing that because I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. Again, he's proving that he's God. Number four was to show compassion. Jesus healed to show compassion. The God of the universe stepped into earth and all its brokenness. And what did he do? He had compassion. Mark 1, and the leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling and said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand, touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy Again, we see this act of compassion. That was it. It was compassion. Jesus was showing us that God is compassionate towards us. Some of us need to know that in this room today. That God is compassionate towards us. And the last reason I have here, the last reason is the reason why Jesus healed. You can take all of those other reasons and you can still put them under this category. They still are individual reasons why. Another reason is he came, he healed to fulfill scripture and things like that. 
But all of those line up with this one category. And it is this. Jesus healed to glorify God. Jesus healed to glorify God. Jumping back in the story of Lazarus, he raises Lazarus from the dead. Jesus looks at Lazarus' sisters and he says, Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you, would, if you believed in me, you would see the glory of God? Jesus heals to glorify God. There's this, uh, another passage in John where the disciples are walking by this guy and, and, and the disciples are talking about him and, and, and they're looking at him and the guy can't see, he's blind and, and they're like, hey, why is this guy blind? Why can't he see? Is it because of he sinned or is it because his parents sinned? The Jews believed that that any sickness or disease you have was a direct reason for like individualistic sin in your life. Now, we do believe that sickness and disease is here on earth because of sin. Romans tells us that uh, through one man, being Adam, sin entered the world, and through sin, death. So yes, in a broader sense, all, all, all sickness and disease and everything is due to sin. But, but specifically, this guy was blind because either he committed sin or his parents committed sin. Like That's what the Jews believe. And that's, that's not true. And Jesus talks about that to that point right here next. Jesus goes, no, 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 no. He's not blind because of sin in his life. He's blind for, for this one reason. He was born blind so God's work could be displayed in him. It's amazing. He was born blind. Why? So he could glorify God. Boom, and Jesus heals him right there. Right? Jesus heals to glorify God. You see, in our lives, in Scripture, throughout human history, there's many reasons why people are sick. We read that in Scripture. Job was sick for some particular reasons. You know, the nation of Israel all got sick for different reasons. Like, sickness is upon us, overarching, yes, because of sin um, through Adam, but many reasons people were sick for testing reasons and just God testing them and all sorts of stuff. People are sick for many reasons, but there's one reason why Jesus heals. That's to glorify God. That's to glorify God. And, and you see, in my life, as I was dealing with this with Shelly, I was praying and, and, and I started to ask these questions and I find myself saying this a lot. And, and maybe you said this before, but people were like, man, how's it going? How's, how's praying going for this situation or that situation? And typically, if you're a Christian, your, your response is this. It's either, yes, Jesus answered my prayer, or B, he hasn't heard me, or he hasn't answered it yet. A lot of times that's our reaction. It's like, oh man, Jesus, yeah, he, he answered the prayer. I was praying for healing. That person got healed. He answered it. Or I was praying for this person. They didn't get healed, so God didn't hear me. Or he didn't answer my prayer. The truth is, sometimes there is an answer there, but we don't like that answer. That answer is no. We don't like to hear no. I remember my parents telling me stories of my brother when he was growing up. I, I feel it's necessary for the story to let you guys know my brothers are way older than me, like a whole decade older. And so just throw that out there. It's, it's, it's prevalent to this story. Um, but my, my parents tell the stories of my oldest brother, Troy, and he would ask, you know, he's eight, nine, ten years old, and hey, mom and dad, can we do this this weekend, or can I have this? And my parents would say no, and my brother's reaction was, but, but, but maybe. Like, can, can we go out to pizza tonight? No, Troy, we're not going out to pizza tonight. Just, just but maybe. But, but maybe. 
Like he could not take the no. There had to be some glimmer of a hope in there. But maybe, and we do that when we pray, and, it's, and the answer is no. And like, God, but just, just but maybe. Just but maybe, because I can't accept a no. You see, we need to learn how to glorify God when the answer is yes. And we need to learn how to glorify God when the answer is no. An awesome story in Scripture is these three guys, they, they get, they're Israelites and they get captured by a king that the whole nation does and they get taken to live in a foreign land and this king thinks he's pretty awesome. In fact, he thinks he's so awesome, he makes a statue of himself and tells everybody to worship it. Right? And these three guys are like, no, no, we're not going to worship it. We're going to worship our God and our God only. Most of you guys know who I'm talking about. Three guys named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the king gets so angry at them. He brings them before him. He's like, okay, last chance, guys. Last chance. You're either going to worship me or you're going to die. Simple choice, right? Easy choice. And the three guys, they look at the king. They're like, oh, king. We're not going to worship you. And here's the thing. Our God can rescue us. And we believe that he will. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow. Even if God doesn't answer our prayer the way we think he will, we're still going to glorify him and not you. See, we need to learn how to glorify God in the yes and the no. David did this amazingly. He prayed for healing for his son. He wept. He put sackcloth on. And then his son still died. And what did David do after still mourning his son for a while? He throws this party of celebration to, to celebrate the fact that God gave him an answer to his prayer. The answer was no. But he worshiped and he celebrated. You see, so I get these questions like, so what are you saying, Josh? Like, my life doesn't matter. Like, it's just all about glorifying God and that's all he cares about is his own glory and he doesn't care about my feelings and whatnot. Well, yes and no to that. Yes, it is all about God. Yes, our lives are all about glorifying him. In fact, it is the reason humanity exists on earth is to glorify God. But it's not that he doesn't care about you. It's not that he doesn't care about who you are and who he created in you. What I want to do for just, just a minute here is I want to take this rock and I want to skip it across this pond of theology. We're just going to hit on, on something real quick. I don't have time to go deep into this. But we believe that God is one God but three persons. We call it Trinity. It is a very complex thing to understand. But to break it down in a nutshell, Trinity is perfect unity. It's perfect community. See, God was not lonely and then goes, man, I need mankind because I'm so lonely. No, no. What it is is the Trinity was existing for an eternity before humanity ever came on the scene. And within Trinity, there was perfection. There was perfect love, per perfect submission, uh, perfect community. The Father loved the Son. The Son loved the Spirit. The Spirit loved the Father. The, the, the Son submitted to the Father. The Father to the Spirit. The Spirit to the Son. There's just perfection within that. C.S. Lewis calls it the beautiful dance. And when we glorify God with our lives, when we glorify God in the yes and in the no, what, what essentially happens is we get invited into that beautiful dance. It was the reason we were created. God created us to invite us into this dance. He had so much love. He's like, I want to share this. 
And so when we glorify God in the yes, and when we glorify God in the no, it is to our benefit. It is not because God doesn't care about us, but he's inviting us into this beautiful dance. And when we do that, for that moment, for that time, we get a a glimpse of what heaven is. And, and, And even though that doesn't mean all the pain goes away, it doesn't mean all the questions even necessarily go away, but even when we do that through the pain, it is to our benefit to glorify God in the yes and in the no. So what's my response to that then, Josh? If I'm sick, if I need healing, or I know somebody that needs healing, what's my response to that? Three things. First, ask for healing. It's what we're commanded to do in Scripture. Ask before, for healing. Go before the Father and ask for it. James 5 says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him. Anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will rise him up. And if he's committed any sins, he will be forgiven. Again, a holistic type of peace, a holistic type of healing. Mind, soul, body. We are to ask for it. Number two is this. Have faith that Jesus can and will heal you. Like I told you, I had this attitude of like, God, I know you can heal, but I I doubt you will. It was a warped understanding of who Jesus was in my mind. It's not who he was, who he is, but it was my warped understanding of that. Again, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it's, we believe our, our God can heal us, and we believe that he will. We are called to approach the throne of grace with faith and boldness, to come before the Father and ask for these things and believe that God will heal us. It's the prayer of faith, not the prayer in faith. In other words, we're not praying for faith. We're not praying, oh, I have all this faith. I can trade it in now but it's a prayer of faith that God will heal us. And thirdly, glorify God with your life. Glorify God with your life. 1 Corinthians 10. So whatever you eat, whatever you drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And as we do this, we enter into this beautiful dance with Trinity. We get experience the goodness and the love, the community of God. Again, it doesn't mean there's not pain there. Too many people I've talked to who've, who, who, who've been in church, who, who have said that they've been Christians and walked that life, and who've walked away from it, so often it has to do with the fact, like, I prayed for this person, and they are not, not healed. I prayed for that person, and they died. It is such a hard thing that breaks us, because we love our loved ones so much. But what we need to do is learn how to glorify Jesus in the yes and in the no. And we don't want to kind of throw this out to you today and and not give you even an opportunity to come up and be prayed for. And and we just read that it says, if anyone's among you sick, sick, come to the elders, have them pray for you. And so this morning, we're going to have elders just on the right side of the stage and on the left side of the stage. I think some might have their wives with them as well. But they're going to have an opportunity to pray for you this morning, to anoint you with oil. And we're going to come before God and we're going to believe God will heal you. But if he does, is is 100% on him. And if he does, it's to glorify him. Remember that. And if he doesn't, it's because that is a better opportunity for him to be glorified than if he would have healed you. And so we want to invite you to do that during communion today. I'm going to go ahead and pray now. 
Jesus, we love you and we thank you. God, we thank you that you are a healer. God, we thank you that you not just heal us physically, but you heal, heal us emotionally. You heal us spiritually. You're into healing us completely. Jesus, I know there's people that are hurting. There's people that are sick, people that are broken hearted, broken physically, Lord, in this room. Lord, I pray you'd heal them this morning. God, but more than that, I pray that as a congregation, we would learn to glorify you with our lives whether in the yes or in the no. God, you are good. And we believe that this morning. Amen.